Okay, welcome. Well, thank you for coming. Um, and thank you, Nick. Um, you know, you've worked so hard on this project, and I think it came out great. Just congratulations. Um, it's, uh, I think, really meaningful for me uh, to do this project with you because we've worked together for um, 10 years now, almost 10 years, uh, maybe nine years, um, but always in the context of group exhibitions and, um, you know, single works integrated into broader themes. Um, and, but it always felt kind of inevitable that we, uh, you know, a single, a solo project would happen one day. So I'm really happy that it, um, uh, it's finally come to pass and that it's come to pass here in this building and in this, uh, this gallery in particular. Um, for those of you who haven't had a chance to see the show yet, uh, here's this installation shot. Um, it's in one of our project galleries. Uh, specifically uh, the one that's right upstairs uh, at the top of the landing here to the right. Um, and uh, the museum has four project galleries and uh, these are spaces that are uh, dedicated to a single artist doing a single piece, uh, usually site specifically. Um, and um, Nick, I think you really engaged uh, the nature of the architecture for this project. Um, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I, I think that was like one of the main ideas from the beginning of our conversation was to kind of do something that could only happen in that space. Yeah. Um, maybe we can return to that, I think, as we go through. Um, but the project consists of these two walls of concrete rings that look like they're levitating like magically, like by witchcraft or something. Uh, there's really an uncanny effect uh, when you're walking through the space. There's a pair of these uh, panels uh, that are actually, what, what are all the materials exactly? Um, they're mainly carbon fiber, and then there's um, like spandex, cotton blend, uh, 6XL t-shirts that are stretched on the surface <clears throat> that are kind of soaked or rubbed with chlorine. And then the whole thing is uh, vacuum bagged for 24 hours to kind of squeeze it and turn it into this like thin uh, thing that you see there. Yeah, they're very, very stiff and hard, but very, very fine. They, and they have a way of kind of floating against the wall. Um, and, um, and then the back is uh, laminated with Velcro. Yeah. So the, the entire back is this kind of solid Velcro sheet. Yeah. Yeah, every element of the project seems to kind of really engage the architecture at the same time that it kind of hovers uh, in front of it. Like, almost detached from it. It's a, an interesting effect. Um, and then there's another element that's installed just outside the entrance of the, of the gallery, um, which is this, uh, this, it, this is actually the mold that Nick used to create the rings. Um, and that kind of gets us into uh, the, the question of the process, which is really the heart of this, uh, of this project. Um, Nick, do you want to kind of walk us through uh, how you made these things? And, yeah, I mean, I guess the the kind of the proposal that I really gave to you to begin with was really just a proposal for a process more than like a finished thing. So that's kind of what we started with, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so uh, well, so this this kind of Medusa head thing that you see kind of coming in and out of the water is um, it's kind of a, a mother mold. So it's this half of a molding system where the other part is this soft rubber mold and um, you can kind of see it in action there. Um, so when you have a soft rubber mold to have a lot of detail, you need a mother mold to kind of keep it 
uh, stiff. And so I kind of wanted to do this two-sided idea where like the mother mold would be this kind of like garden statuary thing and then the other side would be this super industrial kind of object um, that would pop out and... Uh, so then um, it, you, you basically inserted this dry concrete mixture into this mold uh, and then um, just allowed it to absorb the water? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the idea, but it, you know, as things go, it's never that simple. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, <laughs> that was how it started, but there were all kinds of, like, weird quirks to the process. So, like, I mean, I can honestly say that, like, every single ring has its own sort of, uh, like, weird requirements and each one was its own kind of experiment. Uh, I did do a couple of rings that way where the powder went in dry, but it, what happened was it just took a lot of time. Like it, it takes a lot longer to sort of harden and for the chemical reaction to take hold. So, um, so a lot of different things happened. So then eventually they would set um, and uh, then this is you. Uh, uh, that's actually. Or, uh, somebody else. I don't. I, he told me he didn't want to be. Like, <laughs> didn't want to be identified. Yeah, yeah. An anonymous assistant. Um, and uh, and so then the next step is that you peel away uh, this this rubber mold, right? Right. So once uh, the concrete sets, then you just demold it, and um, then you kind of want to let it dry out in the sun. So you kind of bake it in the sun mm -hmm. to get the moisture out of it. Um, when it's still wet, it, it's kind of soft. I mean, not soft, soft, but it's kind of could break much more easily. I, I like this picture in particular because it shows how you integrated some of the tiles that kind of came off of the pool, right? Did they come off? Or um, did, did you help think, them I think, off? is your mic? Yeah. Can, can everybody hear me yeah. okay? Yeah? yeah? All right. Yeah, so, um, well, the pool is like this whole kind of weird context in and of itself. It's actually... Um, like a Titanic themed uh, mosaic pool. So it's, and I mean, when I say Titanic, I don't really mean the ship, I mean the movie with um, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. A, you can Kate see Winslet. a little bit of it in the corner there. There's this like elaborate imagery. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's this, all this glass tile um, in there and it's kind of like, uh, it's not aging all that well. Um, Conceptually and, and materially, so. <laughs> like aesthetically, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, you know, it's sort of every day like shedding these tiles that are just ending up sort of everywhere. And then of course, like really quickly, the idea came up to put these in the concrete and start to like cast them into the whole process. Um, What's happening in this picture? That, uh, that was another additive, um, Burger King french fries. <laughs> and then, you know, afterwards, um, they get kind of, the ring gets kind of saturated with chlorine and the chlorine breaks down all the um, starch in the french fries and they just kind of crumble out. Um, and you have these like french fry fossils. Yeah, they're fossils. <laughs> and then, you know, I had to do some shrimp. Yeah, <laughs> had to do the shrimp. Um, this is an interesting experiment. Yeah, that didn't work out, actually. No, uh, that's too bad. 
I was really excited when I heard about the pizza. That was like a, a little bit too far. And yeah, that attracted um, like animals and stuff too. It was like this big kind of And it disaster. didn't hold up like structurally or something? Or? Uh, yeah, like I think the bottom line is that I wanted to do it in a pizza box because like if you're gonna cast pizza, you might as well do it in the box it came in. The box wasn't thick enough, so all like the walls didn't get thick enough uh, to like sustain it. And then I, you know, I mean, maybe it could have been done in a bigger kind of like block of concrete, but it just wasn't fitting into the show. So, yeah. and it was really oh. gross. Um, like <laughs> the oil started like seeping out, and the cheese was doing this weird stuff. So, <laughs> well, there's there's another element um, to this project, which was. Um, you know, a little bit scary um, for us, but uh, really exciting, I think. And I think the results are really beautiful. But can you tell us about this? Yeah, so this is something that, I mean, we <clears throat> kind of like skirted around for a really long time. And uh, then, I mean, you know, I have to thank you for kind of like helping make this happen because I was skeptical <laughs> that it could happen. I mean, you guys like went a little bit further than I thought to make this possible. So, you know, the idea was to take pool chemicals and then put them on the wall of the gallery, which is solid poured concrete. And in this case, this is um, hydrochloric acid, which is used to uh, sort of balance the pool water in a very diluted fashion. But when you have it undiluted, um, it's extremely, you know, caustic. Yeah. So this is, the idea was to make like an etching on the wall of the of the gallery with this acid, and uh, it actually worked out, you know, yeah. pretty pretty good. Um, Nick is on a genie lift here. This is the the actual um, etching is maybe about 10, 11 feet up in the in the air. So when you go through the project, you'll see. Um, this is uh, just to give a sense of the results that I think are really beautiful. You know, they have kind of a the quality of a ruins. Yeah, it's almost like paint that flaked off or something. Yeah. Or like a like like lead or something. Like yeah. Or like a Greek temple or something that has been abandoned, mm -hmm. or uh, for that matter, like a kitschy pool that has been abandoned for a long time. Which, yeah, that um, design is something you would find on the edge of the pool, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when you're standing in the space, um, it's almost as if you're standing at the bottom of an empty pool. Um, so, I mean, this, the use of the hydrochloric acid, um, uh, the use of the molds, uh, the use of the vacuum pump, the, the pump, that you, the pool pump that you use to, uh, to vacuum pack the panels, et cetera. Um, I mean, clearly you're using uh, the elements, the processes, and the materials that are kind of native, that are inherent to the setting that you selected. Right, um, I think that's a key aspect of the piece. You restricted yourself as much as possible. Um, is this cutting in and out? Is this uh, annoying people? I keep hearing it cutting in and out, sorry. Um, uh, so I, I, that's a key aspect of the piece, I think. And um, it's something that runs through a lot of your work. Uh, and I think we can, uh, the next step I think is gonna be to go through some of your um, earlier uh, projects that, uh, particularly the ones that involve that kind of approach. Um, but I did want to get, I did want to show this image. This is one of the, the images that we talked about. Um, yeah, this is kind of like a source, like when we first started talking about the project, 
I was looking at this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and some of the, so this is, uh, uh, obviously it's a pool that's being constructed and um, there's this like formula for concrete called gunite and it's a formula that lets the concrete be shot through a, this kind of tube um, and it makes these like small uh, smooth walls. And so like some of the like chemical stuff that's going on with that specific type of concrete, I adapted to the rings to make them like very, um, you know, thin and light and very, you know, relatively very strong. Um, but uh, So even down to the particular mixture of the concrete, really hewed close to the kind of uh, requirements suggested by the pool. Yeah, that was say. something I wanted to stick with. Um, Now, as far as the, the look, the, the forms um, in particular, like what, what kinds of things were you thinking of? Yeah, well, you know, so the rings are, um, the, I got this like engineering spec sheet, um, sort of a, like a general guideline if you want to start making storm drains um, or if you're plugging them in here and there in your town or city. And I wanted to see like how small I could get and still allow the human body to get through. So if you have like a manhole access or like if you have a culvert or something, entrance to a storm drain system that people have to get into to like do maintenance or whatever, that's pretty much about as small as you can get according to this like spec sheet. Um, so using those specs, I kind of designed this like super small like sliver of a much bigger storm drain piece. And that's what ended up being the the item or the object. So the forms relate directly to this idea of infrastructure, specifically water infrastructure, uh, and um, you know, the tie to the pool um, arises right there, right? Um, yeah, but you know, at the same time, it's kind of like, um, like to me, it's like a figurative sculpture, right? I mean, it's all based on the dimensions of the human body, so it's just like <clears throat> it's like a figurative sculpture without actually showing the figure. But I think that like a swimming pool is the same thing, right? It's like implies the human body. I mean, that's the only kind of use that it's supposed to have, but it, it looks like something else. I mean, it has, some of them have these biomorphic like bean shapes and stuff like that. Um, but there's this kind of, there's this relationship of forms that I'm pretty interested in. At the same time, you know, these kinds of forms of, uh, of infrastructure, these are other, just examples of other kinds of uh, uh, storm drains. Um, they're, they're quite severe. Like, there's, I think there's um, something in, that, in the use of that aesthetic, um, or in the use of the pool to produce objects of this aesthetic that really creates this dissonance, right, this discrepancy between um, the idea of leisure, leisure and the idea of production of just hardcore, nitty-gritty. Yeah, they're, they're um, hyper-industrial yeah. looking and... Um, and they're beautiful in their own way and definitely awesome in their um, original scale. Um, you know, we see these being, sometimes you'll see these being interred into the ground, um, particularly along 826 and 836. I don't know if you've been by there uh, any time recently, but these things are massive and really uh, uh, tremendously uh, kind of impressive. Um, and, and again, yeah, just beautiful in their own way. Um, but I think <coughs> the, 
it really gets to the heart of the project, uh, of the heart of your goals with the project, which was to um, uh, heighten the sense of um, conversion between uh, leisure, uh, something private, um, uh, something for the body, um, into um, something that relates to uh, industry, labor, yeah, totally. Uh, and like, as we'll see a little bit in a couple slides, like, um, I feel like Miami has been built on some of those ideas, but vice versa, right? So it's very industrial components that have been converted into like leisure use, right? So it's, I just wanted to kind of reverse that. So you're reversing project. the process from. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> And of course, uh, when, we, when we just bring up the topic of water-related infrastructure in the city, uh, that's a big kind of worms. That's a very uh, kind of, uh, that's something that's on a lot of people's minds right now in a kind of an urgent way, right? Um, having to do with uh, um, the issue of sea level rise, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I did, but you know, I didn't really want the project to be like, like, um, you know, like an, like an alarmist kind of thing towards that. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're, we all kind of have a sense of that. Like, mm -hmm. I wanted to make the project just from like an assumption of like, yeah, this is the way things are, and then use it more as like a, a starting point than an ending point for the project, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's not, th th there was a moment, uh, while I was following your process where that became clear to me. It's kind of a subtle, subtle point. Um, if I could just kind of paraphrase it a little bit. It's, it's not about sounding the alarm about um, these issues that are um, kind of challenging and overwhelming our infrastructural situation here um, as much as it is uh, just kind of taking it for granted, taking it as a fact, and then yeah. converting it into something productive, just uh, finding new ways to utilize sites like this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, um, taking it for granted does kind of sound like um, a little Well, taking bit. it as a given, I guess. Yeah, taking it as a given. Like, yeah. just taking a really long, hard look at, like, where we are right now and the kind of environment that I'm just working in and everyone's living in and then just moving on, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I mean, like, I don't really want to engage like the ecological discussion that much. I mean, I'm interested in it, but I'm more of like a follower than uh, a contributor, I think, to that mm -hmm. discussion. I mean, it's just something that I'm sort of following. And I don't think that this project contributes to that discussion in a yeah. direct way. Yeah, like it's not like you meant it like a symbolic representation of these problems. Um, or even any kind of attempt to like remediate or mm -hmm. deal with it, you know. Um, it's more like the ship's going down, like let's, you know, pop a bottle or what? something, you know, yeah. like. Oh, what can we do with it? What can yeah, we do? what can we do yeah. now? Yeah. Like, yeah, what, what, do we, what do we do with what we have? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know, to me, these kinds of infrastructural systems are interesting because they're so secret, you know, because they're mm -hmm. so. Yeah, they're uh, invisible, mostly. They're invisible, yeah. And um, that, that kind of. Um, uh, investigation is something that runs through your work uh, f 
for that has run through your work for a long time. Uh, this is a piece from um, 2006. So it's, been, this is kind of around the time when we, we met and started having uh, different conversations about work and stuff, right? Yeah. Did you say this was the first piece that you did here in Miami? Um, yeah, this is like the first, yeah, this is the first project I did when I, when I came back and was finished with school. Um, this is in the old Locust Projects, the one in Wynwood, some of you might remember. Um, so what's going on here? I mean, you know, I guess... Uh, the old Locust Projects had um, this kind of apartment in the back where artists could live for a short time while they worked on their shows and stuff. <clears throat> and um, I was always kind of like, I guess, hanging around there. I didn't ever live in that apartment, but I was always like there at odd times and sort of talking to the people that did live there. And there was always this kind of like complaint or like sort of uh, freak out about this electric substation that was right across the street and everybody had this idea that they were getting these kind of electromagnetic uh, disturbances and stuff um, while they slept, you know, and things. And that it was messing with their brain waves and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess the idea of the project was like how to map what that electromagnetic field would look like. Um, and so this is really, I mean, it's a model, right? It's not full size, but it's like, an architectural model, but instead of like a skyscraper, it's an electromagnetic field from the substation across the street. Yeah. And something kind of related is happening in this project. Um, yeah, that was not too long after. District. Yeah. Um, so that's a just, it's like a, <clears throat> was it 70 or 40 feet long? I can't remember, but it was, taking up the whole space and it was made it was out of sheetrock. It was huge. Um, and it's just the space that planes take off and land at the airport. And, and it's the, the shape is based off a set of instructions that is given to pilots. So it's never really like drawn that way. It's more like a set of instructions that create a shape. And, mm -hmm. and then it's installed to point at the actual runway. So this is like the shape that pilots have in their heads as they're taking off from. Yeah, they keep the plane within that sort of zone. Mm -hmm. It's called the glide slope. Mm -hmm. And the building happened to be under the glide slope and towards the end. So it's kind of like, you know, you, you could step outside and see these planes. And it was aligned along that, mm -hmm. that same route, or the primary route. Yeah. It's followed, right? Um, you did a terrazzo, a smaller version in terrazzo, which is actually in our collection. Um, this is a, an installation shot in the old building. Um, so, but besides penetrating these kinds of obscure or um, invisible uh, infrastructural civic networks, uh, a lot of your work does the same thing but with social, cultural networks, right? So the earlier work, I think, tended to emphasize more underground um, or subcultural kind of situations, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, um, like, I guess an example of that. Um but it has, you know, it has to do with um, building things too, like very much because. So this is this is this project where um, I worked with this group called the Raelians, who want to build an embassy to welcome uh, extraterrestrials, and it's the problem is is that they want all of the airspace above the embassy to infinity, so that's kind of an issue, and they can't find a place to build the embassy. 
Um, so working with them uh, to sort of make maybe a very small step towards realizing this embassy that was very difficult to place uh, on this planet, <clears throat> I built, um, along with a friend of mine who specializes in terrazzo, some, some tiles, some floor samples of what the floor of the embassy could look like. And it would uh, sort of commemorate the different types of floor plans that they had had throughout the years as they tried to get this embassy um, made. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the embassy still doesn't exist, but. Uh, but when it does, it'll have your tiles on. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, that would be my dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, when you first started talking about this piece, you said um, that you know, you probe these networks in order to build things, in order to make things, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really, like, them? I don't know, probe is like kind of a really like, like intimidating word. Like, I, I don't really, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> well, let's say, you know. Uh, Especially when you're, you're talking about extraterrestrials. <laughs> <laughs> Not not intentional, but uh, um, so, but you know, you you kind of wade into these contexts, or you contact these folks, and uh, yeah, no, I but I never, I never want to be, I never want to misrepresent myself. I mean, that's kind of like a rule that I have. It's like I don't want to uh, come in under any kind of false pretense. And you know, like for example, this um, project. You know, I was like, well, how can we collaborate? And they're like, well, the best thing you can do is to join us, and then we'll take it from there. And then you'll be one of us. So whatever you decide to do will be a collaboration with the group. And I was like, well, that makes perfect sense. And, <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> do you still keep up with them? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still, I still keep up with the email lists and stuff like that. Um, the group is is uh, you know it's it's active here, but it's you know it's it's all over the world too. So hmm. um. Um, here's another example of um, your wading into uh, a somewhat obscure network. No. Um, yeah. This well, was this is uh, kind of a byproduct of that that engagement that you had. Um, so this came out of an application for our DARPA. Mm -hmm. Right. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, is that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It's essentially like the research wing of the Defense Department. And I, before you did this, I had never heard of an artist getting a, a, a grant from the Defense Department. So uh, it's, um, it was pretty unique and kind of interesting. Um, and uh, it, I mean, essentially it allowed you to kind of understand how research is um, carried out, uh, at least through this entity, right? This is the same entity that developed the internet, that developed uh, drones, um, some really major, and also some crazy uh, kooky projects like um, uh, weaponized insects and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on over there. <laughs> um, yeah, well, this was kind of a collaborative thing, you know? I mean, the whole premise of the uh, residency was to get people together and to have them kind of cross pollinate a little bit um, and then I, so I was part of a team um, of people like a few people uh, who went up there 
And we had two months to kind of do a bunch of research and then do some presentations and interact with that entity and kind of uh, see where we could go in a kind of an experimental way. Um, and then, you know, without getting too much into that, this is something that happened just afterwards uh, with one of the people that I went up there with, uh, Dylan Romer, who uh, is a, a, a programmer and a, like a kind of a, a visual uh, information like uh, focus on his programming. And so we made this uh, app that lets you manipulate um, sound in like a really tactile way. And it's called Purple Goo. And, um, and I, you know, I think of it as kind of the ultimate result of this like two month um, collaboration, even though it doesn't really, um, let's say like fit. A one -to -one. Well, it doesn't fit the purposes, right? Because, you know, that, that uh, residency was kind of supposed to produce certain results. This is not one of the results that was desired by the whole. Uh, the US military? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this didn't really do, do much for The them, military industrial complex? Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, but, um, but I think it's a good example of how you work with these contexts. I mean, ultimately, the point, the purpose is to produce artworks. Yeah, always, right. Yeah. And that's also what happened with the Raelians, you know, I mean, I joined them, but I said, you know, I, I, I'm trying to make an artwork, and that's, mm -hmm. if you guys think this is the best way to get to it, then I'm all for it. You know, I'm always trying to get to something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, you know, I've asked myself, and I've asked you, uh, you know, why do you engage these systems? Um, to produce objects, and once you said that, uh, by in doing so, uh, you end up with very alien-looking objects. Like the effects themselves uh, often have a very strange kind of esoteric aspect that maybe you would not have um, been able to reach had you just been, uh, you know, enclosed in the in the studio by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that to me is everything. Like that's the only thing I really care about. At the end of the day, is um, to have this moment where you encounter this thing and it's just really difficult to like grab mentally for at least a minute, you know, mm -hmm. and then eventually you start to get familiar with it and then that changes maybe, or maybe it continues to be strange, but this kind of alienness of an object is like pretty much, I think what it does is it kind of like jolts you out of your skin for a minute and that's really mm -hmm. like a good feeling. It's really, it's like you're using these contexts, you know, whether it's the Raelians, whether it's the U.S. military, um, as a, it's almost like these entities are sculpting your object. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think and there's something very kind of literal to that effect happening in this piece, right? Right, so this is, it's funny because it looks just like the glide slope, which is kind of something I was interested in, but it's completely different just at the same time. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, so, I mean, this is um, Florida Atlantic University, which is this huge campus, and there's all this stuff going on. And I just, they wanted me to do something outside of the gallery. And so I said, well, okay, like, let's build a wall 20 feet high and, like, 50 feet wide, you know, and just block off the entire hallway. And then, of course, 
that wasn't going to fly because this is like one of the main kind of arteries where students have to walk and so on and so forth. So the whole thing was based around this negotiation with the buildings and grounds people and the administration of like, how much of a thing could I put in this hallway? And they, you know, I made a big drawing and then they started hacking away at it and like saying, okay, well, it can only be this high and you have to cut it here and so on. And then this is the shape that we kind of ended up with, like the compromise shape. Uh, and it's like then, the code people carved it for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then the, the staff uh, built it, and then I asked the gallery director, you know, I brought in a whole bunch of colored chips from Home Depot, and then we just threw them on the floor and asked them to pick a color, and then that's what we ended up with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, you mentioned how it has this resemblance to Glide Slope, uh, at, and how you're interested in that. I mean, I think that's interesting because um, when you have these two objects separated by a couple years um, th that kind of look similar, it, uh, it gives this false impression that there's a kind of stylistic tendency in your work. That yeah, I like to, one to the other. like mess with that a little bit for yeah, sure, yeah. But in fact, like by working with these contexts, what you're doing is um, uh, the opposite of relying on some sort of personal stylistic uh, approach, right? Well, it's it's like more like a like a field of tension, right? I mean, it's neither it's neither one. Like it's I mean, I'm like it's kind of like the these like concentric levels of uh, stylistic manipulation, maybe. So like, it, I mean, I, I admit that I have certain things that I like the look of because usually because it makes you kind of like pause or um, it has this alien quality to it. So I, but I like to remove myself two or three layers back from that and then see if I can still kind of yeah. um, like cause it to happen. But um, also it's, yeah. yeah. I, but it, it gets to a real, a real defining aspect of your work, which is, um, you know, on the one hand, it's so diverse. It's really, you know, very, very different, one project from the other. Um, and yet somehow uh, these kinds of, uh, not just ideas, but even, uh, certain looks start to carry over from one to the other, and from one to the other, and it's almost mysterious how that happens, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, um, there's threads that I keep going back to, and I think those threads have certain, like, mechanics or ways that they work, and they can, um, like, for example, um, <clears throat> like ways of creating large volumes in a space. I mean there's only a few options, right? There's, uh, I don't know, inflatables, there's sheetrock, there's, there's only a, like a couple of options that can kind of fit within the parameters. So it's, it's about like sort of just tweaking these parameters and then finding ones that you like. And like with this project, you were talking about how there's kind of um, a certain limited number of ways to get an object to, cut, to lift off the floor. Yeah. To just to become vertical. Yeah. Um, so. That's like the, I, I'm really, yeah, I really like to deal with the like most basic problems because there's always something good in there, I think. That's like the most basic problem. It's the most basic sculpture problem. Sculpture, yeah. specifically. Um, and there's also, you know, if you talk about the, the most basic aspects of sculpture, there's the relationship to the human body, right? That's one of, yeah, I think. Uh, unlike painting, unlike drawing. Um, and this is a work where, Literally, the body uh, is is uh, making the object. Right? 
uh, in in this work yeah. that we see here, uh, yeah, anyway. well, um, yeah, the, the the need of the body to pass through, and also this great like timed pass like passing of like huge amounts of people kind of flowing around it. And you mentioned, for example, that um, the height of like, tell them about how the height of the sculpture was determined. Yeah, well, so if you look very carefully at the <laughs> sort of the top of the highest point of the sculpture, there's an exit sign. And so one of the things that happened was that got to use this. it needed, yeah, there it is, glowing. Yeah. Um, it needed to be low enough that someone in a wheelchair could still see the exit sign. And so that's how that peak was kind of, mm -hmm. that was as high as it could go. So that brings us to another really important strand, which is uh, the relationship to the human body, right? And um, you know, if we talk about a more recent project, I think it really came out very strongly there, right? Can, can you sort of briefly just talk about this one? Um. Yeah, so this was, um, this was part of Fringe Projects, which is like a temporary public, um, a temporary public art program in Miami that uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a cool idea. So it's just like, what kind of public art can you make at, that is like a, in a short duration? Uh, um, and so this project was, um, a clock that sprayed perfume every hour on the hour. Right there. And then over here, what do we have? Oh, the pointer. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, so if you look over in the left, there's the clock, and then on the balconies of this like historic building, there's um, seven 55-gallon drums full of diluted perfume, each one a different kind, and uh, you know, it's, there's seven days, right? So it's like kind of like a calendar as well as a clock. And so every hour on the hour, the clock sprays perfume and every day the perfume changes. Mm -hmm. And this building happens to be in the perfume slash jewelry district. So all the perfume was like this like super knockoff perfume from just down the street. Um, and then you made uh, this image. Uh, right, so that's a poster and it, um, yeah, it got redistributed to the perfume shops who then kind of hung it in the window as they would advertise the other perfume. That, and just like know. integrates perfectly into, into the, the store. Yeah, they all were pr pretty excited about that poster. Um. So, okay, so I think we've covered a, a, a few of the, these threads that have run through your work for a long time now. Um, so, but if we could just come back uh, quickly to, um, to the pool. Uh, what are some of the um, uh, reasons why the pool served as your inspiration for this project? Yeah, so this is Venetian pool, which is in Coral Gables. And uh, I actually went there a lot as a kid, but it was a rock quarry that was used to build Coral Gables. And then when um, they were done, they turned it into this like pool, um, Venetian themed pool. Venice is sinking pretty fast also. Um, and it actually gets drained every day. Um, it's spring fed. Um, so that's something that was kind of like in the back of my mind, um, you know, so for many actual, years. This is a picture. Quarry. Yeah, that's a picture of it as, as a quarry. And you can see these kind of buildings on, in progress in the background. Um, so I guess, you know, that's the story of Miami, right? It's, you bring the the, labor stuff here to build things, 
And then when you're done building it, you turn it into a tourist attraction somehow. So you have a rock quarry. Well, now it's a Venetian-themed swimming pool, and so on and so forth. So I kind of wanted to do the opposite with this project, take something you know, very leisure-oriented and turn it into this kind of like industrial machine in some way. Reverse that. Like, so reverse the formula by which Miami creates itself or something like that. Mm -hmm. You also uh, thought about, and we talked about Vizcaya a few times uh, during this process, right? Yeah, I think Vizcaya is another Venetian-themed uh, thing. It also has one of the first pools here in Miami. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these um, famous grottos in here. Yeah, with grottos. With their kind of kitschy Greek uh, inspired uh, decor, like the Medusa head. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, it's all there. This kind of uh, limestone <laughs> rock and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's really it's, it's interesting because the project, uh, at first glance, doesn't look anything at all like stereotypical the stereotypical imagery uh, associated with the city, but it's still so much about the city. I mean, mm -hmm. Especially if you grew up here, like Venetian Pool is like, you know, close to your heart, you know. And, yeah, it was um, important in the summer. Like, yeah. Um, and um, well, but sort of on that note, we couldn't resist. Uh, we, you know, you brought up Rosie the Elephant today. Yeah. So uh, for who doesn't uh, know about Rosie the Elephant, I think everyone should know about her. She um. She was brought here on a ship because uh, it was too difficult or they, there was no way to afford um, bulldozers. And so they brought her here to clear out Miami Beach. And so she used her trunk and pulled all the trees out and steamrolled everything. And she was a living bulldozer. And then after when Miami Beach was clear and everything was more or less built, uh, she became like this kind of like tropical tourism mascot. Um, and like this image of like Miami Beach has this tropical place, you know, and there's elephants here and so on, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Here's somebody like there's, playing golf on her. Yeah. So it was, you know, it goes from again from this like context of hard labor of industry, yeah, uh, converted into this uh, um, artificial image of um, and fantastical image of leisure and. Um, uh, and tourism, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, in this picture, this, is, this one I, we think is actually in Vizcaya. Yeah, pretty sure that's yeah. in Vizcaya. So. Diving into the Vizcaya swimming pool. Yeah. All right, so anyway, on that note, um, would anybody like to jump in with some questions here? I mean, um, please, feel free. The first question I'm is always. I'm going to pass a mic around so we can all hear your question. Can you hear me? I wanted to ask about that structure. You said it was a glide path in one of your previous pictures. And uh, it reminded me so much of the little paper airplanes I used to make as a kid. And we'd fold them and we'd sail them around and they would circle around and fly pretty good. But it's like you had it the upside down way, where it wouldn't fly. And then you talked about you wanted to lift it up off the floor. So could you kind of elaborate on that a little? That that idea of the lift, I don't. It just wouldn't buy me. The lift, uh, lifting the object off the floor. Or? I mean, 
so like that shape, I there's different uh, like pilot manuals, and they say, um, you know, from the beacon at the end of the runway. And if there's any pilots in the audience, they're gonna tell me that I'm like messing it up. But like, there's a certain amount of degrees, like beams that come out of this beacon that are a certain amount of degrees from the end of the runway, and they create this like cone shape. And you've got to keep the plane in that cone shape. And the closer you get to the runway, the tighter that cone has to get. So I took the instructions and I plotted them out in a three-dimensional space, and that's the shape I kind of came up with. And again, it has everything to do with the body, right? I mean, the way we see is essentially in this kind of cone shape. It's yeah. Our field of vision is shaped exactly like that. Right. And it's a volume that bodies travel through, and you know, I mean, planes, but the planes are carrying bodies typically. You can't see here, but the, in the original object, the it, the it had this interesting texture that you created with popcorn ceiling material. Yeah, it gave it like a uh, extra depth of field, like because the little specks would kind of sort of make it seem like a lot further than it really was. Like if you looked at it from one side, it would get blurry fast. It created like a gradient. Yeah. Anyway. Could, uh, yes. Nick, it's, uh, um, Tobias, I, I want, could you explain a little bit more, or I think the connect, why the pool was necessary technically to produce the, the cast? I think that was a little bit missed. Yeah, well, you know, actually, um, I think to begin the answer to that question is it really is not essential. Like, you could make these concrete rings elsewhere. But I think that the idea of kind of like hacking the pool or like um, making the rings come from the pool is what I was really after. Um, I, I would be curious to come up with something that could only be made in a swimming pool. But uh, that didn't happen in this case. Um, but I, but I, you know, I don't think that it was an issue for me because um, you know, it's kind of this like running your laptop with your hairdryer kind of hack thing. You know, there's this kind of like making it work somehow kind of feeling that I was very happy with. Um, yeah. Yeah, it seems to me it's like about unlocking the kind of forms that can come out of right. engaging and a pool. Yeah, and so like, although those rings could have been made elsewhere some other way, like the forces of like struggling with the pool and trying to get it to do what you want kind of influenced the way that the whole show sort of um, formed itself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. I've got two Hi, in your artistic development, I'm just curious, what, is there any point that seemed to stimulate you or influence you to think in this direction? It's an extension of vision in architecture or sculpture, but what have you studied, I want to understand, at Cooper Union? At what point did you start to think in a, this kind of direction? It wasn't painting or your average kind of uh, art medium? Yeah, I mean, you know, so like I started um, actually doing film, and then I was really interested in documentary film. And um, <clears throat> I started going in this direction of using documentary film to like move through space in like uh, unexpected or impossible ways. And then it kind of hit me one day that, you know, 
um, I really should be making objects instead of films. Also because I really didn't care about um, like putting a linear narrative together like in a kind of film type space. So that's, there was this like sort of flip of a switch and then I started making sculpture like almost right away. And, and I still have dabbled in video and, and stuff, um, but, but it really kind of evaporated all of the film ideas that I had into just making things. So from video or film, you, you went into sculpture. It's interesting. Yeah, I was trying to make sculptures with films, and it wasn't working how I wanted it to, so I just switched to making sculptures. <laughs> okay. Great. All right, well, thank you, everybody. <laughs>